Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Vibe Show. So pleased to be with you today. I am your host, Robin Openshaw. I'm known as the Green Smoothie Girl online. Hope you're following us on Facebook. Today is a pretty interesting one on Learn From Our Elders interviews. Dr. Fred Bishy, PhD, and fun fact, he is the eldest of the elders we've interviewed here. He is turning 90 this year. Dr. Bishy has had a pioneering and still active practice in New York City for over 50 years. He's worked with over 35,000 people all over the world with a lot of different kinds of health issues, and he's helped them change their eating, drinking, and living lifestyles through his approach that, this won't surprise you, is all about real, clean, fresh food. He has been eating a plant-based diet for longer than I've been alive. Fred was born on Staten Island in 1929, and he grew up eating only real food. His mom would make authentic, fresh, raw, and cooked dishes, And as he was growing up as a young man, he completed 18 marathons, two ultra marathons, and he was a boxer and an Olympic style weightlifter. And so a lot of his work, as he has remained very physically active throughout his life, is he's worked with a lot of amateur and professional weightlifters, boxers, basketball players, marathon runners, triathletes, wrestlers, and actors. He is in New York City after all. So I'm really excited to introduce you to him today. So welcome to The Vibe Show, Dr. Fred Bishy. Thank you very much, Robin. It's a pleasure. I'm glad I'm with you today. I'm pretty excited about, uh, you know, sharing some of my life experience with you and your audience. I've been learning a lot from you, studying your work, and you are one of the most longtime raw vegan diet folks out there. You've been eating raw vegan, don't even eat any cooked food for what, 50 something years now, right? I'm giving a conservative estimate. I'm going to say 52 years. And I just want to be accurate because there's a lot of people that, you know, they're watching me at this point in my life. And, you know, being that I'm approaching 90 years old, I want to make sure I'm giving people accurate feedback. I don't want to people think that, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying that and I'm not doing it. And of course, Everybody that knows me knows it's true, and I've been doing it consistently. And at this point in my life, as I, you know, going into my 10th decade, this is the wonderful part about it because I'm very curious to see what's going to happen to me myself, just like a lot of other people. You know, many people are watching me to see how long I can survive this way because I've had people tell me 30 years ago, one person was a medical doctor, told me I couldn't live this way. And uh, he was a great guy. He was a friend of mine. But unfortunately, he's been gone about 20 years. So this is challenging, uh, you know, in some respects. But in some respects, I'm thriving and I love it. And, you know, it's very exciting for me. You know, there's been obstacles along the way. I've had bad car accident and I've been exposed to a mold that actually ate a hole through my head and uh, caused an infection. Everybody was trying to convince me to go back to eating animal protein. Everybody that wasn't well informed about this and of course I didn't even consider it because I knew you know what probably was going to happen to me it's been a great journey and it's a lot of fun I'm still enjoying it I'm very active you know I, I participate in a lot of things I'm still into the martial arts and things like that so 
Very exciting. Tell us about your book, Your Healthy Journey, and the 60-year experiment that you've been doing on yourself. What are some of the things you cover in that book? Well, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not a complicated book. There isn't a lot of science in there because when I originally started to write the book, I had about 300 pages and there was a lot of uh, scientific information. Some of it was controversial. You know, a lot of the science in those days, it was abstract science. It, uh, what's taking place now has proven that. I mean, I remember there was a professor from uh, Harvard many, many years ago. He said that a healthy meal would have was uh, a hamburger, a milkshake and uh, and French fries, and he was a uh, you know professor of nutrition at Harvard Medical School. His name was Frederick Steer, and uh, I I knew that was ridiculous. So I found out there was so much controversial information, so I just stuck to the science. You know, studied Guyton's book on physiology, all these books on science and physiology. Then I decided to uh, make this my healthy journey, and I decided to experience everything I could for myself to find out what was valid and what wasn't valid and what was hype and what was abstract science and what was just plain old lying. I was an athlete. At one time, I was competitive weightlifter, not a bodybuilder. I'm not into bodybuilding and all that vanity that goes with it. I was a competitive boxer. I, I came out of the depression with a poor family, so sports was a big thing. I consolidated the book and made it simple. A person could follow that book and be able to choose a healthy journey of their own. I did a lot of long-term fasting. I fasted over 40 days twice, and that enabled me to get to be very comfortable uh, on a, a raw food diet. I didn't eat a lot of food. It actually brought me into caloric restriction. It was a big transformation for me because I was 200 pounds of solid muscle at one time. And when I first started running marathons, I was making a major mistake that a lot of people are making today. If you're a vegan, you know, you have to get your calories from either starches or fruit. And of course, there were people that were saying, don't eat too much fruit. The sugar was bad for you. And uh, it didn't make scientific sense to me. And then I realized what happens. I was running out of gas. As soon as I started to eat, you know, enough fruit to sustain my training in the races I was running, within a week or two, it was, forget about it, I was just running through the races, like, was pretty amazing. I kept experimenting. I kept trying different things. I tried long juice fast. A lot of information that was around in those days, and even, even today, it's still not complete. It's still not what I have found out to be true. And I mean, I don't really try to, you know, stress certain things, but I'm very, very positive to certain things that are being said that are not completely true because I've seen any place from 20 to 25,000 people over the years. And it's kind of been like my own double-blind study because I see what works and what don't work. And of course, a lot of claims are made by some of the people into the health food, into the, maybe the raw food community, the vegan community that are exaggerated. So I'm very uh, careful. I'm not dogmatic, but I don't believe in exaggerating. I don't have an agenda. I don't have anything to gain by exaggerating. Try to practice integrity. I certainly don't want anybody to get hurt. And I have a lot of people that come to me being treated for serious disease and being treated by medical doctors. And uh, I certainly don't want to put them in a dilemma or confuse them. And I, I tell them what I think they should do to best support their primary care physician, unless they decide to make another choice. And then I take a good look to make sure they are emotionally, psychologically ready to 
you know, go out into deep water because to overcome some of these serious diseases, it's not as easy as some of the people try to make it that are on the internet. It's just not that simple because they talk about success. Not too many people talk about failure. So that's when I decided to write the book, uh, Your Healthy Journey. And the reason I wrote that book is because I, I want people to realize that your body is the healer. As you know, epigenetically, what your spiritual beliefs, the thoughts you entertain, become a reality in the way your genes epigenetically are expressed. Talk to me a little bit about your journey with mold, because we have so many people talking to us about this yeah. subject. Robin, mold was an eye-opener for me. I must admit it was a humbling experience. What happened? I lived in a house, and uh, my wife and I were away for a weekend, and we live on a hill, but there's a hill above us. And there's a sewer outside. And in the fall, that sewer fills up with leaves. Now I don't let that happen. I have the Department of Water come and empty it out because I don't want a basement full of raw sewage. So what happened, my daughter called me up and what the, uh, the pressure from the water coming down off the hill blew the commode off the floor here right outside my office where I'm sitting right now. So this basement filled up with about two and a half feet of water and it was raw sewage. When I come home, I got a friend of mine, a construction business to come, and they cleaned it all up. They did a pretty good job, but I was not cognizant of how insidious mold really is. I mean, it is insidious, and, but I didn't know that I've been heavily contaminated with mold. When they first cleaned up the house, they didn't do a good enough job. When I really had mold poisoning, they ate a hole in my head, I had pneumonia, it got into my, uh, the atrium, the heart chambers, I have atrial fibrillation. I ended up in a hospital. First doctor I saw thought I had cancer. If I was able to stand up, I would have got up and walked out. But luckily, through the grace of God and my, my own determination and being that my family had their eye on me, but it took me months to recover. I'm glad you survived that. That's terrifying. There's a lot less information when this happened to you than there is now. There's a lot of people out there who talk about how they got through it. Did you do anything besides just recover and recuperate? Did you have any other strategies besides your usual super healthy diet? Of course, I stuck to my raw diet. That was the key. And I actually spoke to a mold specialist that thought it was ridiculous. He said, you know, you can't eat a raw diet. I saw right away that he just didn't understand a raw diet. There's a lot of mold specialists that definitely don't understand a raw diet. They don't have a clue how it really works. And I, I'm a firm believer if I wasn't on a raw diet that I would have died. I'm, I'm sure of it because I was close to death. But I'm not suggesting everybody go on a raw diet. Don't get me wrong because, you get, you know, it's once you do it over a, number, you know, over a length of time, going back, not a good idea. Anybody's been, I've seen people run into some real serious problems that were on a raw diet, went back to eating animal protein, and they develop real serious problems. So I'm not a dogmatic guy. I have people come to me, they're eating a small amount of animal protein. It's not for me. I'm not the type of guy that try to impose any of my beliefs on anybody, but I will share my experience. I will tell people about fasting. I have a lot of experience fasting. Yeah, it's actually a goal of mine to fast for 30 days. Can't quite bend my brain around 40, but I've done seven to 12 day, nothing but water fast four times in the last couple of years. And I've also done 20 day juice fast several time. Well, that's wonderful, God. That's wonderful. But remember, the best way to do a water fast is to shut down. In other words, if you close your eyes, you when your eyes are open, it takes about 40% of your energy to interpret what your eyes are really seeing. It takes energy, you know, for that instantaneous deciphering of what you're seeing. So if you're fasting, that energy is very, very important. What happens when you close your eyes and you rest, you're able to fast twice as long. This can take you a lot deeper 
than most people realize. There's a lot that we don't understand. The absolute knowledge is infinite, but the human body, it has specific physiological, biological design. And that's why I always encourage people to take charge of your own, get on your own healthy journey, educate yourself and make your own choices. Here's a question I really love asking in our Learn From Our Elders series. What would you go back if you could be your 89-year-old self and go back and tell your 30-year-old self, what would you tell him that's useful? It doesn't have to be about food or nutrition. It could be something more in the realm of spiritual, which I know you're really interested in, the mental, emotional mind, any of that. I would tell myself not to be so driven because the reason for that, I'll explain to you why, is that I'm a dyslexic and I had a very difficult time in school and I was under the impression that uh, I was not an intelligent person, which I come to find out later on wasn't the case at all. But I was very, very embarrassed because I had trouble reading and I had trouble speaking clearly, especially if I had to read, read aloud. But I had an awesome memory. It was like total recall. So I, I could learn things. I was unbelievable just by listening. And I had this awakening. And I realized that in some respects, my dyslexia was a blessing. But the only problem was there was an emotional psychological factor. And it's, even to this day, and I, it's very hard for me to be satisfied whatever I do, no matter what it was. To me, it was like kind of ingrained into my hard drive that it wasn't good enough, and that, you know, in some respects I failed, which is kind of ridiculous, but that turned out to be the driving force to do all that fasting and try all, you know, to run through the prevention marathon when it was 20 below zero with the windshield factor and get severe frostbite and, be, and do it, which was pretty insane when you come right down to it, running through snow drifts with two feet deep. But that was the driving force because unconsciously or subconsciously, I was probably telling myself, there you go, Freddie, you're, gonna, you're a failure. You know, you know what I'm saying? I do. And a lot of times we therapists, uh, and it's a little bit of a joke, but there's a lot of truth to it too. We'll ask somebody who's really struggling um, mentally and emotionally, who's a, a marathon runner, what are you running from? Do you think there's some stuff yeah. there? Uh, well, you know, to me, I was fortunate. I just loved all the sports I was in. You know, I just loved it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, training, you know, for endurance runs, ultra endurance, you know, just kind of foolish, you know, kind of ridiculous. Running uh, 40, 50 miles is not good, definitely not good for your health. That's what I was wondering if you would tell us. I was wondering if you would tell us that you wouldn't do that again, the ultra marathon. It's not good for your mind either. So exercise, good. 100 mile races, not good. Exercise is wonderful. But remember, all those exercises, what they do is they break down your vital force. They rob you of your vital force and train. Training is just pushing your body beyond its normal capacity so you could accomplish your goal. But if you're into breathing and if you're into things like simple Qigong, where you're just moving around and you're breathing, that's helped me get through my car accident. I, I, I had a very bad car accident. The human body is, is a miraculous biological organism. It was designed to heal. It was designed to keep regenerating itself. I feel like anytime we encounter someone who's lived through the Great Depression and World War II, it's a missed opportunity if we don't say, what was that like? What was it like living through the Great Depression? Tell us anything you want to about what it was like growing up in that. Uh, in New York City, I believe you've lived there most or all of your life. Tell us anything you want to about those major life events for you. Believe me, it left its mark on me. I saw more people walking out in the street that were, you know, walking with their belongings, uh, uh, carrying them on their back, come up and ring a bell and said, 
could you please help me? I'm willing to do a day's work for a meal. I seen plenty of that. And I remember my mother, who we didn't have very, very much at all, but my mother was a very generous woman, and we ate a lot of polenta. My mother would invite the person in, and, and it was safe in those days, because a lot of these people just lost everything, wandering around the country, tried to find some work. Then downtown New York, I mean, there was people laying out in the street by the hundreds, just laying out in the street. And in the win- on the harsh winters, I mean, some of these homeless people would freeze to death. So it was, you know, I remember that. I remember when the, uh, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and the street I lived on, they were coming down the street. I mean, without exaggeration, 50, 75 people coming down the hill and waiting on the bus stop. They couldn't get enough buses because all these, a lot of these young men were volunteer to, uh, you know, going into the service. And one of my brothers was in North Africa. My brother, one of my brothers was on Guam. You know, it was brutal. They were fierce fighters, you know. Do you have great grandchildren? And if so, how are you playing a role in their lives? What role do you have? I know it's a big part of living to be very old is that your family still has, you know, your son is right there with you as we're recording. You clearly have some really great family relationships. What kind of advice do you give? your great-grandchildren if you have any and, and what are you worried about for them? I don't want my uh, my great-grandchildren my grandchildren to go to war if I could possibly uh, avoid it because uh, it's not like watching a movie on Netflix or something like that. It's not a good thing. You know, I know I know some people are uh, completely scarred by that, you know, with PTSD. And so um, I want, I, listen, my grandchildren, uh, they eat a very good diet. They're very intelligent. They're very healthy. I know that you're not really slowing down too much. You're still producing great work. And I know you have a partnership with Joe DeSena of the Spartan Nutritional Athletic Council. I know you're doing something with Dr. Colin Campbell, who's the author yeah. of the China study. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Well, Joe's very, uh, you know, he's had the Spartan organization. He's the, uh, developer. He, he was on Wall Street and he was uh, he owned a company called Capital Funding. He's a brilliant guy. He's very innovative. His basic motivation is take people and help them meet these challenges so they can live their life and be an overcomer in life and develop a, a strong character and to live the right type of a life. He uh, appointed me head of the Spartan Nutritional Program, and, and Joe's doing a documentary. Uh, it's going to be a really well-done documentary. We're having a lot of elite athletes in there. I'm going to be in it. And you're talking about taking people who are doing these like major athletic feats and moving them to a whole foods plant-based diet, right? Part of the problem is people have been led to believe that animal protein is the only complete protein. A plant-based diet is by far the best way to go. Your body expends about 70% of your energy to digest your food when you've eaten, you know, some of the stuff people are eating out there that's supposed to be food. But if you're eating a plant-based diet and you're getting enough calories to sustain your ability, you're going to expend maybe 10 to 15%. So where's the rest of that going? The rest of that energy is becoming vital force. It's going to make you live longer. It's going to keep your joint free of inflammation. It's going to keep your mind working sharp. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Fred Bishy. You're an international treasure. I really enjoyed hearing from you today. Thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much.